Get ready. Hello and welcome to College Talk. It's me, your host, Beth Brandon, and I am super excited today. For the last few podcasts, you've had to deal with me just talking at you by myself, but today I am beyond excited about the guests that I have. Um, I am joined by Jackie Rulin, um, who is uh, an amazing person. She was a supervisor and mentor, but before that, and well, I guess as when she was a supervisor, our mentor uh she was the assistant director of like all the things at advise michigan um and uh sorry emily and carla super jealous that she was never my direct program supervisor as well um but she was also the transfer and veteran specialist uh, with the office of admissions at olivet college in olivet michigan jackie how are you I am great, Beth. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for uh, taking some time out of your busy schedule with your two little guys and helping me out. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm excited to do it. Are you ready to jump in? I am ready. Okay, so as you said, you worked at both Olivet College and then also in a nonprofit focusing on college access. Um, so that gives you kind of a unique perspective. Um, and you also were a college advisor before you were an admissions rep. So I guess from those experiences, what are some of the best things students can do to either rule a school in or out? Oh, man, that's a a good question. Um, There's a variety of things. I think the one thing that continues to be, I think, the most important is visiting campuses. I just think that that is something that I know could be challenging depending on where you live or maybe what you have access to, Mm -hmm. but getting foot your foot on campus as a student, I think is one of the best ways to know if um, a school is right for you. I think someone once told me to like physically picture myself on a campus and that really resonated with me. I Mm. think I went on quite a few visits with my family and there would always be a part in the visit where I would just like park it on a bench and watch the other students walking by. And believe it or not, there were very, there were quite a few times where I was like, nope, I don't think I could fit in here. (laughs) And it was weird because it wasn't on a formal tour. It wasn't in a dormitory, but it was just watching, you know, were the students happy? Were the faculty stopping and talking to students? Mm. Um, Were there coffee shops that I could see myself sitting in and writing papers? So I do think unless you're stepping on campus, it's hard to get that feeling. And I remember kind of having rose-colored glasses with some urban schools and mm-hmm. really wanting that city feel as a senior in high school. Um, and then when I actually visited, I was super overwhelmed and realized that, you know, navigating things like public transportation wasn't something I had taken into account. Yeah. Or if I had a late-night class walking across campus, um, just things like that, that if I wouldn't have visited, if I would have just looked at the website or the brochure, um, you know, it looked great and it looked like something that was perfect for me. But really, uh, that visit solidified where I was meant to be. Mm-hmm. How did you have that conversation um, with students when you were like an admissions rep where you could see they were kind of uh, unsure, I guess? Yeah, I think the hard things with admissions is, and I didn't know this until I really was an admissions rep, that a lot of it, you're a salesperson of mm-hmm. higher education. Mm-hmm. And so I think the hard time is as an admissions rep, you get so focused on trying to recruit the student that um, 
you almost forget how overwhelming the process can be. And so I think that as an admissions rep, when you have a, a rep that opens up the door to say something as simple as like, if we're the right fit for you, is a really good indicator that they truly have your best intentions at heart oh, um, yeah. and want to see if their institution is going to make you successful for the next four to, you know, five years. Mm -hmm. Um, and as an admissions rep, it was really important to me with my student, you know, the students that came through my office, if I could tell there was apprehension or if I read the body language of parents and I could tell parents were alumni, Mm -hmm. um, or that the student was really coming to our school because we were maybe giving an athletic scholarship, but really at the end of the day, they just wanted to play a sport or be part of a band experience, Mm -hmm. you know, giving language and opening the door to say, you know, it seems like you are really passionate about X, Y, or Z. Um, I think that was part of the college advising hat. I could never take off because I just knew how important it was to find a higher, you know, match and fit is so important. And if you are in an institution because you think it checks all the boxes that someone else is telling you and you don't have that moment to sit back and be like, is this really the right choice for me? Um, it can be really hard. Absolutely. So I think admission trips should be good stewards of higher ed. I know that, you know, we have to make quotas and enrollment's important, but I do think there is that level of, you know, finding the right students that are going to want to stay at your school because it does no good if you just get students through the door, but yet, you know, in a year they're transferring somewhere else because they're not happy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A school focused on retention is, uh, I think, always a great school to kind of look forward to. Exactly completely agree yeah so it's october um second now wow and yeah opened yesterday (laughs) yeah it did um i think (laughs) i think it's kind of starting to get real for some students and um i think as always every year those the student they're the students who like knew where they wanted to go from like sophomore year and they've done the visits and they've already applied and they're doing the early action or the early decision um you know and and they're kind of like ready to go but um, other students might kind of be struggling or sort of unsure, um, you know, of, of where to go or how to start the search process. Maybe they did a tour and the place they thought that, you know, was going to be their, their home for four years, they realized, like, I don't like this. Um, do you have any suggestions for, like, students who are struggling, how to help them get started uh, on the search for the first time or if they were let down by a tour and maybe they need to start their search for the second time? Yeah, so kind of starting from square one a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, I think we're in a unique time. I think we're, you know, when my parents were going (laughs) to college, and they're they're pretty young still, but when they were going to college, you know, you chose your major, you knew what Mm -hmm. career you were going to get out of it, Mm -hmm. um, and you kind of just jumped on the conveyor belt and checked the boxes and off you went. And there's still a few majors that that is the case. Yeah. but for someone like me, I was, I didn't know what major I wanted. I was, um, really into liberal arts mm, studies, but yeah, like <laughs> I just, yeah, but I was like, okay, but what career am I going to get out of it? And I remember my parents really kind of in a concerning, loving way, kind of constantly <laughs> asking, you know, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Yeah. And so I think that paralyzes a lot of students today because they're so focused on like a college and a major. Mm-hmm. That um, and nowadays there's jobs that are you know being created that you don't even know about. You know, when I was in college, I'm gonna date myself a little bit, but you know, 
if I would have said, oh, my friend's going to go work for, you know, Twitter full time or run a social media account as their full time job, you know, mm-hmm. I don't really think my parents would have believed me or, you know, I would have believed it. Yeah. So now it's a challenge for students to even know where to begin because, you know, what are even what are they even going to pursue as a full-time career? So I think going back to your question is, is figuring out things that make you happy and are passionate. And one thing that I even now as an adult do is (laughs) look at other adults or mentors in your life that have a career or in a field that you could see yourself maybe being interested in Mm. and shadowing them from a day and then working backward and figuring out the education that they got. Um, And I think that was something that really surprised me. I remember being in graduate school and learning from a professor that people have full-time jobs in fundraising and philanthropy. I didn't even know that was an option um, when I was a senior in high school. But if I would have, you know, I had a friend whose mom worked for the American Cancer Society. And later I went back and asked her her major and it was English, you know, but Mm. she was passionate about nonprofit. She was passionate about health and had been affected by someone with cancer. And so that's how she got to that career. But so I oftentimes think we start with the end in mind. Yeah. And I, I wonder sometimes if, you know, you're starting from square one, you're overwhelmed, you know, dialing back, if you don't even have a friend or a mentor, maybe in your, in the field you want to pursue, you know, as simple as Googling it, you know, Mm -hmm. Google, um, you know, certain, maybe if it's a, even if it's an influencer or something like that, many times they still studied something at a university or a college. Mm -hmm. Um, and now also, you know, we have family members that are really into marketing and, um, technology and Mm -hmm. some of those fields you, you need an associates and then a ton of resume experience Mm -hmm. shadowing. So is it worth pursuing the four year degree? So I think sometimes, uh, it's important to kind of start, just writing on a piece of paper what you're passionate about and someday what you would want your career to encompass and Mm -hmm. then start to chip away with, okay, is that a four-year school? Is it a two-year school? Does it matter what major I want? Um, The last thing I'll say is that I remember my husband, when he was in medical school, several of his medical school friends, their majors were English or French. And I remember being like, how? But they took the prerequisites required to get into medical school okay but they went to liberal arts schools and so Mm. they were encouraged to major in whatever they were interested in and then they had strong academic advising teams that made sure that they had what they needed to get into medical school many of them were music majors and i i remember being like whoa i would (laughs) have i wouldn't have even known that um So I think, you know, gathering as much knowledge as you can about what you're passionate about and then figuring out how college will still be the right fit for you, um, I think is something that's important. Definitely. That actually reminded me, I was at um, the the Gear Up conference earlier this year and Berea College had this really cool um, presentation on like, they called it Flip the Funnel. And like kind of what you're talking before with like, you go to college and you have all these ideas and you plop out with like one job. Um, at the narrow end of the funnel and they were like really if you think about it um, in high school you start at the narrow end of the funnel because you know and I think for like where I grew up you know where I came to Kalamazoo I went to you know going to Western there were jobs in Kalamazoo that were not and still and probably never will be in the area yes. that I grew up in and yes. things that I had no idea about 
And um, so when you go into college, it's almost like you come out the wide end of the funnel because um, even if you're like an acting major, you can connect with people and connect with the crowd. You probably will be amazing at sales. Um, Exactly. And so there's, you know, those transferable skills are so important. So like you saying that I think is, oh, it's fantastic. Um, And I think you're right. I think we get in the, the funnel, like, you know, you start wide and you narrow down as you go through college, but I think it's the opposite. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's, you know, I'm very type A, I'm very organized list maker, but I also think, you know, um, there is a part of the college journey that's just about finding yourself. And now I will make a note that you need to build support systems, whether it's strong academic advising or Mm -hmm. mentorship where Mm -hmm. something's anchoring you to like, okay, you've got to finish and you've got to, you know, not just kind of flounder for six years but I do think sometimes you know we do put a lot of pressure on a 17 18 year old self to figure out what to do and I I think that sometimes people have stronger um like I loved my grad school experience so much more because I was more open to kind of learning about myself, but also staying, you know, it was my money I was spending again and I wanted to stay focused. So, but I do think there was more, it gave myself more flexibility to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if something like music or athletics or even a club is something that's kind of driving you um during your time um I think it's something to still pay attention to so I know with Advise Michigan many young college advisors that I recruited didn't know working in the field of higher ed or student affairs was even an option I mean how many 18 year olds are like I want to be an academic advisor at the college level (laughs) you know (laughs) um a teacher you know my mom was an elementary school teacher but I never knew education was an option at Mm -hmm. the college level Mm -hmm. um but they were really got involved in admissions maybe got a job as a tour guide or they were worked at the writing center and then all of a sudden um the college advisors would tell me you know Jackie I've fallen in love with this field but I didn't even know it was a field I could have studied Mm -hmm. um and so you know many went on to get their master's in the field because they loved it but I really gave those advisors um, a lot of credit because, you know, several of them might have been studying business or chemistry and all of a sudden are like, this is not what I want to do. But then they were finding something else that they were passionate about that they're like, okay, well, I'm going to get my degree, but I'm also paying attention to this part of my life that's really filling my cup. Mm -hmm. And so now many advisors are super successful working in higher ed and student affairs as one example (laughs) um but went into college not expecting that career trajectory yeah um and and I I think that's so true I know that like is what happened for me I think I was working for our orientation office and I was actually pre-occupational therapy at the time and I and I yeah and I just talked to uh that was my third major change sorry parents at home for saying that um I actually got the stink eye a lot when I told uh students that in front of their parents as an advisor that I changed my major four times I don't think they loved hearing that um but But I I did and I anchored myself in some some on-campus jobs but then also I, I did all my exploring through my gen eds and I did it in four years so I, my advisor helped me with it so you're absolutely right um but uh you know you can do it you can do it in four years um mm-hmm. it, if you use those gen eds and if you work with your advisor which is really important but Steve who is the coordinator of orientation I was talking to like a prospective student about like what the program looked like and what they could be doing now in uh high school to prep for um 
being successful in the program because you had to like so many shadowing hours and stuff and they oh, left okay. and I, I got done and and Steve was like do you did you like that was that fun for you I was like yeah it was interesting and he was like have you ever thought about working in higher ed and I was like I don't even know what that is and he was like you just did it um <laughs> and that was like a, a huge moment because then all of a sudden it was like well I'm going to change my major again yeah. back to what I was doing before the anthropology what I really liked but I was like I think that actually will fit better um and then he was really uh, a big part of like helping me look for grad schools and like kind of figure out what path I wanted to take in that so um it is those little teeny moments where like someone you just have that one weird conversation with someone you weren't even expecting it and that's kind of how you figure it out and that's okay if it kind of yeah changes your direction as long as you figure out um what you want to do exactly couldn't agree more yeah okay um so this one is very like admissions focused and I've asked right. this to many uh people well I had one specifically well I've talked to like multiple admissions people and I've asked them this question how seriously okay. should students take the college application essays oh man that's a good one um so personally I think the essay is more important than ever mm. um for a variety of reasons I think it's important for, you know, gaining admission. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but I also think it's a template to really tell a side of yourself. I think um, if you're a really strong student with like a 4.0 or even higher than that, um, you know, took all advanced courses, that's great. Um, and if you're applying to a highly selective school, um, chances are there's a lot of other applications going into that pile with equally high credentials, right? Mm -hmm. It's very yeah. easy for a highly selective institution to say, these are our requirements mm -hmm. and a student tried to meet them. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, with all my networking and talking with admission reps in the past and myself, it was, you know, the student that took the time to, to really tell me who they were. Um, and sometimes it was, you know, reinforce the strong GPA and mm -hmm. test scores, right? You know, I'm high achieving, I'm involved in this, I'm involved in that. Um, and that was great. But again, I come back to match and fit, you know, mm -hmm. an admissions rep, I was like, you know, are we the best fit for you? Yeah. Is also the, the lens that I always took when I read kids essays. And, you know, there are things that stories that I also heard through essays that blew me out of the water. Mm -hmm. Um, my scores aren't high, but let me tell you my story, you know, um, and that just, it allows the admissions rep to see you as a person, not just application 462. Right. Mm -hmm. And so right. I think that you really have to capitalize on that. Um, and I think oftentimes, it gets super overwhelming. Even with Advise Michigan, we have an essay where we want, you know, have advisors um, write an essay. And this past year, we changed it and asked them, you know, if you could be a TV movie or book character, what could you be? Ooh. And so many of the applicants I would meet at career fairs, they'd be like, I just have to finish my essay. And I'm like, are you overwhelmed by it? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, there's no perfect answer. Just like, don't overthink it, right? Yeah, like, yeah. 
take your time, but like, just show us you. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing right away how I was like, yep, you'll be successful because they were willing to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I think college is all about being vulnerable and like learning a new side of yourself. So if yeah. you want to present in your essay that you're perfect and everything's great and you've got it all tied up, then you're missing out on a big piece of college. And so I think the students that are transparent about what they're excited about or nervous or um, I don't think that's a flaw. And I think sometimes that's what we think about the essay is that we've got to prove to the admissions office we've already got it all together when mm. the reality is college is about learning you know, how you're not going to have it all together. Yeah, um, definitely. And so as an admissions rep, it gets, you know, annoying when you're reading applications that seem like they have just all pomp and circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, and it makes for a good read when students, you know, I had one, uh, one applicant who wrote about goldfish crackers mm. and proceeded to talk about like the memories that they evoked with his grandfather and how his grandfather was a history buff. And then it, he kind of tied it into why he wanted to study history. And it was so creative, but it was him. It yeah. felt you know, authentic. Um, so I do think the essay is more important now than ever, especially again, if your test scores aren't, you know, as high as you want them to be. I was never a strong standardized test taker. So mm-hmm. I took my essay super serious, um, to kind of, you know, explain I'm a strong student. I get anxious <laughs> when someone sets a timer on a test. Yeah. Let me tell you, you know, why my GPA I think is a better testament of my work ethic. Um, So I think that's important. But I also think as a prospective college student, it's important to do the the ritual of writing the college essay um, to really think about what you want out of your college experience. And when you take it from that vantage point, I think naturally your authenticity comes through, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, again, it's like one more thing these days that we like put pressure on ourselves to get you know, perfect. Um, but if you really think about, okay, you know, what was my best, you know, memory in undergrad or, you know, who do I want to be or what world leader influences me or whatever that, that prompts are today, you know, to take it, you know, write your thoughts, but then walk away from it and then come back. Um, and, you know, I was always surprised we had, um, an expert come in and talk about, helping students write their essays and I was always shocked when she said you know be careful not to play with the content too much you know fix grammar but don't play with the content too much as an academic advisor and because the reality is they want the true self to show through Mm -hmm. so I I would say never discount an essay because I think they really can do a lot of good during the process definitely and I think um you said don't mess with the content or don't you know edit the content too much I think like I guess as an admissions rep, when when you're reading those, you're expecting it to sound like an 18, a 17 year old, right? Like, can you kind of tell the difference when like maybe a parent or a teacher? Yeah. Okay. So it's okay. It's okay to sound young because you are. And that's, that's the whole point of it. Well, it it, yes, it is. It totally is. I mean, I should say young to a point. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, when a parent or a teacher or, you know, someone really has heavily edited the content, it's very very evident and um it's almost like you're lecturing to the admissions rep through the tone of the essay when it should be a story Mm -hmm. it should be you should be telling a story um and you know 
adults to adults, we tend to lecture, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, my kid's great. So you should take them because X, Y, and <laughs> And now as a parent, for only a little bit, I can only imagine how that's naturally something you want to help your child do. And it's hard to, it's hard to talk about your strong attributes. I'm not, de- you know, downplaying that at all. Mm-hmm. That's really a hard thing to do. And a lot of times college essays ask, you know, the infamous, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. Oh my right. gosh, that's so daunting. Um, but, you know, you can still tell when your parent is asking you to tell them about their kid versus a kid telling you about themselves. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah don't it's not worth risking that the perfection of you know the adult tone versus the authentic you Mm -hmm. know I'm coming out of high school Mm -hmm. definitely um do you have any other like really big things you want to tell students as um maybe they're just starting their search or they're kind of restarting their search or um even if they are having maybe some doubts about maybe what someplace they applied to early action um, or they're trying to find backup schools. I don't know. You know, all those things. Do you just have any more advice that you want to, you want to give? I think if I could go back to 18 year old Jackie, I would tell her to try not be afraid to try something new. I, my mm. parents were from, not, were not from the state of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, they went to a large public university. And so they didn't really know Michigan or the institutions. We had no allegiances to anywhere. Um, <laughs> and I remember applying to, of course, U of M and MSU because they were the, you know, giant flagship institutions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked at some private schools in Chicago, you know, University of Loyola, um, Northwe- Northwestern, mm-hmm. DePaul, and University of Chicago. They all, those four really stuck, stood out to me. And I remember visiting them. But for some reason, between that visit to Chicago and then coming back to Michigan, I never thought about trying to find, like, the equivalent in Michigan, right? Like a private liberal arts. Oh, yeah. Um, school and mm-hmm. I think it was because none of my friends were doing it right mm-hmm. like none of my you know I hadn't heard of Albion or Hope or you know any of the other small privates mm-hmm. um Oakland I discounted because it was you know in my backyard mm-hmm. um and so I just kind of did a Hail Mary and did U of M and MSU and I wish I wouldn't have just applied there mm-hmm. um because that I was scared and no one else I knew was doing it and so I think that if I could go back, I would tell myself not to be afraid to take a risk. Um, and I was really fortunate. My dad helped me find a, a residential college, James Madison College at MSU. Mm. And so I was able to ultimately find a small residential feel in a large public institution. Um, but even, you know, working through Advice Michigan and traveling, you know, the state I was like oh I would have loved the school oh Mm -hmm. I could have totally gone here um but I just didn't want to take a risk I wanted to I knew that x amount of kids from my high school always went to U of M or MSU Mm -hmm. and so I was like okay that's where I'll I'll apply because I know someone I'll know someone there Mm -hmm. um which I mean is valid I mean you're 18 you're leaving home it's daunting but at the same time I wish I would have just uh, listen to my gut a little bit more, um, that if I would have picked a place I was passionate about, I would have, I would have inevitably found people that I was, you know, that I would have clicked with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and 
so I think, you know, I would give the advice of, you know, try, if you're not finding a school that necessarily fits for you, um, but you find one or two that maybe might, but you don't know anyone else going there, you don't know of anyone that went there, still check it out. Because I do think that, you know, ultimately your gut is kind of pushing you in that direction for a reason. And mm-hmm. so don't discount it. Definitely. Awesome. Um, so I'm at the part where I'll, I'll ask you the, the two questions that I ask every guest that's been on. Um, and the first one was, what was your favorite class in college or high school or ever? Oh man. Well, I have one in undergrad and one in grad school. Can I, can I do both? Yes, please do. Okay. So undergrad was an educational policy class I Mm. took, um, that I absolutely loved. And the reason I loved it is because I was, I didn't take it till my junior year. Um, and my major was social relations and policy. Um, and so I was really, um, I was working for the university at the time, um, like managing front desk. And at that point I didn't know I was in love with like higher ed Mm -hmm. nonprofit type Mm -hmm. work. But, um, My mother, as I mentioned, was a teacher, and I kept saying, like, I really want to be in education, but I don't want to teach. I was thinking about Teach for America at the time, maybe after college, and my mom kept saying, honey, you know, you can't really be in education without being an education major. Love you, mom. I hope you don't take offense to this. I still tease her about it. And I remember being like, I'm going to show you. Like, I, I lovingly, I'm going to show you. I'm going to work in education but not be an education major. And so she even used to say, like, just try education, then do a minor in something else. And I loved my social relations and policy classes. So I just kept, you know, heading straight forward. <laughs> then I took my ed policy class, and I had this, like, aha moment of, like, where education and policy come together and the importance of it and how detrimental it can be when high-level policymakers put policies into action that impact education, Mm -hmm. but yet they're not boots on the ground. And so um, one of the reasons I took the college advising position right out of undergrad was, you know, I had this passion for policy, but I was like, if I've never stepped foot in a school or never worked with a student, like, how can I impact policy or you know and so I remember loving that class because I I remember coming home and like on a weekend and showing my mom my syllabus and the books I was reading I was like see this is how I'm gonna (laughs) um, impact education and she totally got it and has been my biggest cheerleader ever since but that really like I'll forever be grateful to Professor Julia Grant for opening my mind with that class. And then grad school, I do have to say that fundraising and philanthropy class was one of my all-time favorites um, because it really just showed me um, an avenue of nonprofit I never thought of. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, to be determined in future Jackie career might be (laughs) on the horizon. Um, But it definitely showed me – you know, the importance of storytelling and listening to people, which is something I've always loved. And whether it's through a university, like, you know, advancement or a hospital or, you know, like I mentioned, a Make-A-Wish Foundation kind of Mm -hmm. nonprofit where they work with people who have been through something and now want to give back. Um, And that to me, I think is so cool and so dynamic. And when I was pursuing nonprofit um, or a master's in public administration, 
my concentration was nonprofit, and I was totally thinking of at that point in my career, like the Michigan College Access Networks, you mm-hmm. know, the educational nonprofits. But then I took that class, and all of a sudden, my world opened to a whole nother part of um, my passions. Um, and I thought, oh, maybe someday that will be an avenue I will explore. So, who knows? But those two <laughs> classes forever impacted me. That is amazing. I love how you still like snuck into education because I, I feel like I did the same thing to my parents but like the opposite way climate was changing so education was not like the safest thing to go into yeah. so they were like please don't and I was like okay okay and then I was like just kidding and then I <laughs> snuck in <laughs> yep. uh, a different hey, then way you know you're passionate about it yeah Keep coming back to it absolutely yep. um okay so this last one this this might be uh piece where you can kind of make make it up to your mom there um (laughs) what's the what was the best piece of advice you were given about college or even just life oh oh my poor mother see I'm gonna quote my dad that's not that's not fair to her but I'll get her on the next time (laughs) I'll get her on the next time um so my dad told me in college so I was a really strong student in high school um and I went to college, and I did my first blue book, and I bombed it. Ooh, yep. <laughs> I remember. And I was so heartbroken because I thought I was a strong writer. Um, and I remember, like, I don't know what made me decide to be vulnerable with my parents, but I called my dad and was very open about this failure. Um, and that was really hard for me as an oldest and a perfectionist. Like mm-hmm. that was just not what I did. Mm-hmm. And my dad, I remember was just quiet for a second. And he was like, Jacqueline, don't be afraid to fail. And I was like, Oh, okay. That was not what I was expecting <laughs> to come from my dad, but it was so great because it gave me the freedom throughout the rest of college to try things and yeah. know that I might not hit it out of the ballpark every time. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, he followed it up with something along the lines of, you know, you're not going to college because we've already got it all figured out. And that was so true. And I think, you know, we do put so much pressure and the cost of education continues to go up. Right. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, okay, we got to go in, we got to do great. We got to get out in four years. And, Mm -hmm. And that's all really true and important. But at the same time, like these are like critical years of your life. You never get back and they're super important. Um, And I think even as a young adult, you know, with Advice Michigan, and I'm going to still say I'm young, um, I think failure is something that never feels organic or, you know, no one wants to talk about it. Definitely. Um, But I think it is something that in college, sadly, like that is oftentimes where you come across failure the, the, you know, the most. Mm -hmm. Um, And your support network can really look a lot of different ways in college if you know you're far from home if you you know are the first one in your family to go to college Mm -hmm. um you're going into a field no one in your family knows anything about um it's just really it can feel really lonely um but I think the the thing you got to do is you just got to be okay to fail Mm -hmm. and know that like you're not going to stay there and things will get better Mm -hmm. but um to sit for a second and be like oh okay that was not pretty let me try again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember right out of when I got my master's, I applied for job after job after job. And mm. I was really struggling. And I hadn't failed that much since freshman year of college. And, you know, my dad came back to that again. And I and, you know, in the moment, it's like, OK, yeah, ugh, whatever. 
but parents, what do they know? But it really is something that is super important. And I think in this day and age, we don't talk about it enough that it is okay to fail. And as, um, you know, a supervisor for many years over young professionals, you know, I remember just seeing waves of relief when I would talk to, you know, people and be like, it's okay that this wasn't great. And they like look like they're shocked you have that reaction, but we've all been there, especially mm-hmm. as a young adult. And so if you go to the writing center and are like, I bombed this, please help me or go into those office hours and talk to a professor, you know, naturally they're, they're not going to, you know, hopefully for the most part are not going to make you feel worse about yourself. Yeah, definitely. They're going to build you up and remind you we've all been there. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's so true. I think right now that's that's literally what I do is I work with students who have gotten into academic trouble or failed. And, you know, some of the things is just like, okay, you know, when it comes to a class, it's like, okay, well, we'll retake the class. And they're like, what? And it's like, yeah. And now we know that we need some extra help. So let's get you set up with these services. And, and you can come talk to me when you're feeling stressed out. And it's, it's at the end of the day, it's like, it's an event. It's a thing that happened. Um, and then the cool thing is I think there's a lot of opportunities in college to, to try again and not necessarily, you don't actually have those in other, in other areas, or if you are trying again, you're kind of doing it on your own. But when you're in college, you really kind of get people who, um, who can help you. And that's going to be the same if you're at a community college or a four-year university or private school, whatever, like there's going to be someone on campus who, who wants to help you. And I think that's kind of what makes college so unique instead of just jumping straight into being like a full-time working adult, you have these opportunities for growth and you have people who want to help you and see you go through that. Um, and that's uh, just so unique. Um, you also mentioned vulnerability a couple of times and I, do you Brene Brown? (laughs) Oh yes. Yeah. Can you, can you tell? Yes. No, I mean, she, she mentions it like vulnerability opens the door for creativity and growth and, um, you know, mentioning like just taking those moments and being vulnerable. Like if you hadn't, you wouldn't have had those experiences. Um, and I think a lot of times when I've talked to people and I've asked them like, what's the biggest thing? It's, it's either been someone who's been like, be completely open-minded because you actually don't know what you're talking about, or it's it's yes. been, you know, I messed up and someone helped me through that. Um, and that's like been, I think, the thing that people have talked about the most. So it is yeah. okay to like mess up and to have those like oops moments because that's where you learn. It totally is. And I think that I discounted you know I remember when I was really struggling finding a job you know reaching out to mentors or mm-hmm. um, you know people in the field that I'm like okay I'm not where you are right now but mm-hmm. I have the hope of being and that was really hard for me and I never realized you know oftentimes you know you go to mixers at the end of college and you meet alumni or whatever and they're mm-hmm. like oh give me a call or reach out and I always took that as like well if I reach out or like ask for your help it's because I failed and I couldn't do it on my own yeah And it wasn't until I got older, um, and it's still hard sometimes to be like, no, I'm not, I'm not, um, approaching you or, you know, wanting to have coffee because I can't do it on my own or I failed. I, 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 you know, I really would love to hear your journey. And it was amazing the few, you know, the quite a few times that I've done it, how they have their own stories of like ups and downs and ups and downs Mm -hmm. and like 
from LinkedIn or the conversations I've had with them briefly before, everything seems like smooth sailing. They yeah. got on the conveyor belt and their career just took off. Mm-hmm. That is not the case. And so I think when you, you know, people don't give cards or say, you know, call me if you want to get a cup of coffee if they don't mean it. And Definitely. I have had, you know, several conversations with people I've never even met that like, you know, have said, oh, this is Jackie. She's in this field. You know, she would love to. She'll be happy to talk to you. And I've I've never met them. I've talked <laughs> to them on the phone, but like, you know, they're like, oh, that's a thing, or oh, thanks. I appreciate you taking a moment. And it's because we've all been there. We've all failed and not know what we were gonna do, mm-hmm. and yet someone reached out and was like, oh, this is normal. Mm-hmm. Just you know, it's okay. And so I think that's important to remember because at seventeen or eighteen, when you're like, okay, make a decision, choose a major get it right the first time it's super daunting and that's just not the reality of most of our journeys Mm -hmm, definitely um i think i think with the college debt and the rising costs parents and teachers and counselors this is for you this is something that i'm reading for work right now and it's made me had a lot of aha moments that i wish i'd read when i was an advisor it's called uh the stressed years of their lives helping your kids survive and thrive during their college years it's by uh Dr. B. Janet Hibbs and Anthony Rostein, uh, MD, and um, it's it's a it's a it's a very heavy like research based book, but it like I said I've had a lot of aha moments, so I, uh, that would be the read that I would suggest coming out of this week's podcast. Um, that's really cool. Yeah, it's, I'll it's, have to read that one. It's fantastic. Um, Jackie, thank you so much for for coming on and uh, giving us your time. It was amazing. Um, you, I know you've done a lot for me as a young professional, so I'm excited to see what all you can do um, for the students and teachers and parents who listen to this podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Beth. It was so much fun. Awesome. All right. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us on College Talk. As always, um, I will chat with you next time uh, here on College Talk. Said it twice. Speak up.